Hey everybody, welcome to episode 81 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting now for nearly 30 years. This week, let's talk about how to assign a date or identify your finds, because if you don't know what it is, you will never know if you're sitting on a once-in-a-lifetime find. Hey everyone, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast this week, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to support the show, there are many options available in the links in the episode notes below. And if you want to interact with me and the show, that information's in there too. But most importantly, if you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hey everybody, how was your week? I hope you're still able to get out and the season hasn't passed you by. I got out like I said I would. I got out, thank God, I got out. So I hit a favourite spot of mine, but what I did for the crack was I set up my knocks with the programme I made up on the How to Program Your Detector episode a few weeks ago. If you remember the episode, this programme I made up was to target large silver, and for the crack I set up my knocks with the exact same programme last weekend. Firstly, I had an idea of the expected finds beforehand, so my expectations were set that I would be pulling out high conductivity and large iron, and with a bit of luck, some silver. Luck wasn't with me, I didn't catch any silver, but I did pull out a lot of high conductivity targets and some large iron as expected. I went with this program for a solid two hours, but switched back to beach one on the knocks and immediately started to pull out clad coins. Now, that was nice and I wasn't surprised because I just wasn't looking for them prior, but I have to say it was a highly educational hunt, even if I only added a lash of copper to my scrap bucket and added to my tally of clad coins for the year. So with my type of hunting, I suppose I would call it beach relic hunting, I tend to find a lot of toasted out coins and very little information on them, or if I'm lucky, old jewellery that has proven difficult to age in the past. So over the years, I have developed some tactics that can help me identify these finds, and this week, I want to help you do the same. If you're a long-time listener, you would have heard my dating game episode, which was geared towards giving you some high-level knowledge on the science behind carbon dating and dating bottles, etc. This week, I want to specifically focus on finds that you will find with your metal detector. So I suppose metal-only finds. So I'll cover some tips on putting a date to coins, bullets and jewellery. I'd love to add buckles, however buckles are a monster topic that will warrant a whole episode of its own. Let me know if you would like me to get that one ready for you at some stage. So let's start with the most common of desirable finds and that's coins. Luckily all coins come with some form of information inscribed or embossed on them. However, if you're like me, and at times you will find coins with very little information on them. But there are other details that can help you identify the coin. For example, the diameter. Is it 22mm? Is it 26mm? Etc. If you can accurately measure the diameter, this will help you narrow down the potential identity of the coin, if I'm lucky. I suppose I should say that you should have correct literature at your disposal for identifying coins. For example, I swear by Sphinx books on coins. An interesting thing about Sphinx books is that they accurately represent the size of the coin in the picture associated with the entry. 
so you can literally measure your found coin off the pitcher, which is how I ID'd a 1798 farthing previously. Also, a handy tool to have is a jeweler's scale and weigh the coin. This is more information you can use as each piece of information gathered is narrowing down the possibilities. I haven't even got onto the design yet. Certain design aspects are only included in certain mints of a coin. For example, there may be stars on one year while another year may have none. These details are important and in one foul swoop can identify your coin if it's visible. Of course, a date is a clear indication of a coin's identity, but if there is a partial date, this can help narrow down your results as most coins were not minted every year, but many only have been minted every 3, 5, 10 years, for example. Other details that can help are partials of the obverse or reverse image under a magnifying loop. Sometimes these can be clearly identifiable. Every piece of information you can gather, like the diameter, weight, design features, and partial information, can be a piece of the puzzle to help you. So double down on the inspection and cleaning of the coin, but if all else fails you, you can always try the trusty Google image search. Coins are generally easy to identify, as there will always be some information you can glean. However, jewellery can be a different story entirely especially if there is no maker stamp or hallmark visible. If you have one of these, you can quite easily identify a piece of jewellery. If not, then the design is super important. For example, jewellery of the Georgian period from 1700 to 1830 favoured yellow gold with colourful gemstones and elaborate designs. While the Victorian period of 1830 to about 1900s favoured black jewellery with jet onyx or enamel jewellery with cameo carved portraits. Also popular in the period were replicas of ancient Greek or Egyptian jewellery. The Edwardian period of 1900 to 1910 favoured white or platinum pieces of lacy or floral designs or bows or leaves. But moving away from the royal lineage, you have art movements that overlapped with these periods, such as the Art Nouveau movement of 1880 to 1910, which favoured nature-inspired designs that included opal, moonstones or amber. Art Deco from 1915 to 1935 moved towards an ultra-modern aesthetic. Think of the Great Gatsby, for example, with sharp corners and shapes. And finally, you have the Retro Period, starting from 1930 to 1940, which ushered in the era of costume jewellery, as manufacturing materials were scarce due to the war efforts across the world, resulting in cheaper materials such as plastic coming to the fore during this period. Again, this is an exercise in putting the pieces together to help identify a find. You can test for silver, or even diamond now, so bringing together information on a piece of jewellery is important, However, it can never demonstrate the provenance of a design unless it's in the hands of an expert. Finally, let's talk about bullets. I have found a fair few of these in my time, and I'm afraid to say, unless you happen to find them in a place of a known event at a known time, you potentially will never know when it was manufactured. For example, musket balls were in use from the 15th century to the 1800s, with only variation being the size, making them extremely difficult to date, unless there is a known battle site nearby adding providence to the find, and even then you couldn't be sure with a musket ball. In around the 1840s, the invention of the rifled mini balls came into the fore, 
but these were in operation till the end of World War I, where they were banned due to the extreme damage they did on impact. But again, you can't be sure of the date of a bullet unless there is a battle site located. I have a few mini balls myself found locally, and the best I can do to date them is to the operational date of an old military fort in the late 1800s. In around the mid-1800s, we get into mass manufacturing of bullet slugs and casings, which in the majority of times were manufactured out of brass, which lasted a little longer and in good condition, and thus are easier to identify by weight or markings on the casing base, which usually tell you the calibre and year of manufacture. But again, this is a huge topic for you to dig into. As I said, dating and identifying your finds is a huge topic, and I'm only scratching the surface the best I can do in 10 minutes. But there is extensive research done on each of the topics this week, and I suppose you won't need this information till you suspect you found a mini ball or an old silver coin and want to identify it as best you can. This is what some love most about the hobby, and I can't blame them. Every time I find something new, I learn something new, and I'm sure you're no different. That's it for this week. I hope you like this episode of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. Check out our website, www.themetaldetectingshow.com for this episode show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Actually, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com forward slash metal detecting. Also, if you'd like to leave me a voicemail, please do so on speakpipe.com forward slash the metal detecting show. The link will be in the show notes. If you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. If you like this content and would like more, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down, good luck and happy hunting.